one sat alone beside the highway begging his eyes were blind the light he could not see he clutched his old rags and shivered in the shadows then jesus came and bade his darkness flee it's time to open the word once again with evangelist lester roloff on the family altar program for all is changed when jesus comes to stay everything the bible has ever said has already come true or will come true shortly and then throughout eternity god's predictions are accurate the bible is the most hated and despised book in America today, the most neglected and rejected. It's been butchered, battered, buried, and burned, and yet she marches on. The survival of the Bible, to me, is proof of its divinity. Nothing could be thought like the Bible has been thought and survived. You know why? This is God's Word. The only way to destroy the Bible is to destroy God. Many things are on my heart to share with you I call your attention, first of all, to John chapter 7, where he says, if you'd really like to know the divine purpose for your life, I'll be glad to reveal it and tell you what it is. No man who's been saved by the grace of God needs stumble in the dark, but he's obligated and privileged to walk in the light. And he said we have daylight hours in which to walk. And so in chapter 7 and verse 16, Jesus is speaking. And he said, my doctrine is not mine, but his that sent me. Now verse 17, if any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. He that speaketh of himself seeketh his own glory, but he that seeketh his glory that sent him the same is true, and no unrighteousness is in him. Did not Moses give you the law? And yet none of you keepeth the law. Why go you about to kill me? The people answered and said, Thou hast a devil. Who goeth about to kill thee? Jesus answered and said unto them, I have done one work. 
and the Almighty. Jesus specialized in just one thing, and that's salvation. He was the world's greatest specialist. Talk about an expert. He did it exactly right. And he said, I didn't come to talk about my doctrine. I've come to present my father's doctrine. And you go about to kill me, and that's the one work I came to do. I came to get killed, as far as you're concerned. Though actually I came to lay my life down so that I could pick it up again. Now let's skip a few verses. Go to verse 26. But lo, he speaketh boldly, and they say nothing unto him. Do the rulers know Christ? It's a good question, isn't it? Do the rulers know indeed that this is the very Christ? You know, in this time of fear and superstition and degradation, a lot of the politicians are climbing on the God wagon. Not because they love God, but because they'd like to get elected. They know the American people are getting scared. They thought if they'd mentioned God, maybe That'd give him a little comfort. And so he said, do the rulers know Christ? Now then, skip to verse 47. Then answered them, the Pharisees, are ye also deceived? Have any of the rulers or of the Pharisees believed on him? But this people who knoweth not the law are cursed. They don't know the law. You know what the law is? It's the word of God. Turn with me now to the book of John, chapter 11. Chapter 11. I've referred to this verse, and I come back to chapter 10 for just a moment. Chapter 10, verse 17 and 18. Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life that I might take it again. No man, verse 18, no man taketh it from me, but I lay it down on myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. Actually, if we could lovingly and tenderly and very reverently present the fact the Father laid his son on the altar and Jesus died by the commandment. That's what he said. He said, I'm going to lay down my life that I might take it up again because he said, I've been commanded of my father to lay my life down and it behooves me to fulfill all righteousness. And so really, Jesus said, my father, if you think it's a sin for me to do what I'm doing and you accuse me of having a devil, the one who gave me hath the greater sin. If I'm a sinner for doing what I'm doing, my father also is in on it with me. Brother, 
He said, I and the Father are one. No, brother, if this old world could realize that when they're jumping on Jesus or the Holy Spirit or the work of the Lord that's done by the Holy Spirit, they're jumping on God. Haven't got a chance. Not a chance. Now then, in that 11th chapter, and we'll come quickly to the 11th chapter, this has to do with the sickness, the death, the burial, and the resurrection. And in verse 25, we have the I am speaking. I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? And then in the 12th chapter, we find an unusual picture. We find the resurrection supper. Lazarus is now back at home. He came from the grave at the command of Jesus. And uh, Mary has taken a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus. Wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Verse 3. Then speaks up Wall Street, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him. Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence? Given to the poor. This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the bag and bear what was put therein. Then said Jesus, let her alone. Against the day of my burying has she kept this. For the poor always you have with you, but me you have not always. Now strange as it may seem, while many people had come to view the dead man that was resurrected from the grave after decomposition, decay had set in to his body. And they're now coming down the street, saying, you going? Oh, yeah, on my way. I'm going to see him. Hard to believe, but they tell me it's so, but I'm going to see for myself. And they went to the resurrection supper, at which time there was a Thanksgiving me uh, meeting with uh, Mary that presented the pound of ointment. And now the third scene is this. There's a band, notice, the chief priest, verse 10, the chief priest, you say, who's that? That's organized religion. Hadn't changed any. Same thing today. Organized religion. Now, they're having a meeting, and they said, shall we go and take a look at Lazarus and praise the Lord for his resurrection power? Oh, no. Organized religion hates a living Christ. And so they're consulting. They're having their conference. The chief priest consulted that they might put Lazarus also 
to death. We've got to get him back in the grave. He's doing much damage to our religion. Now, the question, of course, was raised, and they said, this man doeth miracles. What do we? And so they, since they can't duplicate, they said, we must destroy. And so they're getting ready to try to get him back in the grave. Now then, let's go to chapter 12, and I'd like to introduce to you the greatest attraction that we've ever known. In that same chapter, chapter 12, Jesus is beginning to lay out the prerequisites for discipleship. You know, I've been impressed to say when Jesus made his triumphal entry, was he riding a well-trained horse? No. He was riding the humblest animal, the animal that's been poked fun at. I mean, and never had been ridden before. Can you imagine? The little old donkey saying to Jesus, I've never been ridden and I'm not about to be ridden. I don't know who you are, but you just don't ride me. Don't you imagine that little donkey, humble, simple, unannounced, and uh, with no fanfare said, what a blessing. The one who made me is fixing a ride. And if ever I've given a good ride, I'm fixing to do it. I never have been ridden, but I sure won't do any bucking. I'll never buck at Jesus. Man's the one that bucks at Jesus. Man, if I could say it, has bucked Jesus off. They bucked him off on the cross. Remember that? This generation has booked Jesus out of it completely. And now look at the shape we're in. In Corpus, across America. But there's some verses that I want to share with you. Verse 32, he said, And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. Folks, the greatest attraction that's ever been introduced is the Lord Jesus. And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, and yet this generation has found everything on earth it could to draw the crowds. I've had people to say, we get Brother Olaf because he'll be a good drawing card. I'm not a gambling card. Brother, let me tell you the one that'll do the drawing. That's Jesus. Now, when we use worldly ways and worldly music and worldly dress and worldly promotion, we'll draw the world. And we'll be embarrassed when they leave because we'll give them nothing that'll change their life. It was a sad day 
when the church set its sail to entertain the goats instead of feed the sheep. And now then, look at the shape of it. Look at the programs on radio and the electronic machine and the songs they sing, the way they look and the way they entertain folks. The Lord is not in that. That is a passing fad. And the quicker it passes, the better off we'll be. Oh, they've got enough good words and enough nice things to fool a lot of people. But dear friend, if we lift Jesus up, he said, I'll do the drawing. Now then, chapter 13 is that wonderful chapter of humility found in Jesus. He took a towel. He laid aside his own garments, washed the feet of the disciples, including Judas Iscariot. And I want to give you chapter 13 and verse 13, and we'll see what Jesus thought about himself. You call me Master and Lord, and you say, well, that's good, for I am. Amen. I am. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. I've given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If you know these things, happy are you. But that's not the end of that sentence. If you do that, if you get at it, now then, verse 19. Now I tell you before it come to pass that, or before it come that when it is come to pass, you may believe that I am. Now chapter 14. This is the let not your heart be troubled chapter. Just believe in God and also in me. And then verse 6, we have the I am speaking. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. And they spoke up one day, I think recorded in John chapter 8, and somewhere about 58th verse, and said, Why do you talk like you talk? Abraham is our father. We claim to place our faith in somebody that we know about. His name's Abraham. And Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am. And they said, you're not 50 years old yet. In fact, he wasn't but about 30 so not. And why do you talk like that? They said in another place, you're the son of Beelzebub, and you and the devil are working together. What they really were saying, you've got a cuff going. You're heading up a cuff. You've denied the old line 
religion of us chief priests, Pharisees, Sadducees, and news media. And you'll never make it. Well, we'll save some of the rest of the verses for a moment. I want to give you one more, though. Mark 14, verse 62. I'm afraid I'll not get back to it. You've heard me say that Jesus was not crucified or killed or taken to Calvary on second-hand testimony. They brought him to trial and said, we're going to ask you one question. Verse 61, chapter 14, the book of Mark. Art thou the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? Now give us a name. And Jesus said, I am. And they said, that's all we need. The case is closed. And it rests. We're ready now for the crucifixion. He claims to be God, the Christ, the Messiah. He said it out of his own mouth. He condemned himself with three letters when he said, I am. He admitted and confessed that he was the one that met Moses at the burning bush. And they said, this is all the testimony we need. The court case is closed. Condemned he is by his own testimony. May I ask you a question? We leave that. Would you give the right testimony if you knew it would crucify you? He did. You know what his testimony cost him? His life. So far as the world's concerned. He didn't uh, uh, waver. He said, I am. Thank you for joining us today on the Family Altar Program with Lester Roloff.